like the 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 thing that's going to make you grow and that's going to push you in the right direction is very rarely the easy thing. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how life works. So embracing the suck a bit and uh, and pushing past and using it to grow is paramount. One, two. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Inside Wag Nutrition Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Chris. And today we have a guest on the show. Uh, He is another Wag coach. He is the head of the Wag Twitter account. He is the head of the Mighty Networks one-on-one page, which we have recently moved over to, um, which is very exciting. It's a really cool platform. Maybe he can talk a little bit more about that. he is from Texas. He loves Olympic weightlifting. He lived in South Africa for a little bit. He lived lives in Kentucky, which I'm not sure which one is more foreign to me, South Africa or Kentucky. But uh, either way, uh, it's great to have him on the podcast. Uh, please welcome Mitch Lockhart to the podcast. Thanks welcome, for coming Mitch. out. Hey, hey, thanks, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I like how you led in by by plugging my so, new social media network, like, <laughs> like, like, and subscribe, like, and subscribe, please, like please come subscribe. over. We, yeah. We love, we'd love to have you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, it's all new, new territory and it's um something that we're working on and you've done an awesome job, you know, within the, within our crew, within the uh, company, like ushering in this like new era, you know, we're getting off of Facebook, which is exciting. I think for a lot of people, um, and Mighty Networks is pretty cool. I was skeptical. I think a lot of people were at first, but I really am enjoying it. Yeah, man. Uh, look, anything that gets me further away from advertising and, and Zuckerberg is a is a win. Is a win in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a win in my book. I like one of the one of the main benefits um, for both us as a company and, and people who are kind of joining us there is like you get to see all of the content that we're we're pushing out, and I don't have to pay for you to see that content. Um, so you're not having to kind of get lost in all the traffic and stuff of yeah. of, of people advertising to you, which is really nice. Yeah, so it's been a been a great way to connect in a in a different and a fun way with kind of our client base as well as just kind of the uh, the people as a as a whole. Sure, man. Yeah, um, it seems like a much more direct platform, like yeah. to the point, without all the yeah. confusion and the distraction of Facebook. It almost reminds me of like message boards back in the day, right? Like mm. forums. Yeah. Where you have like that kind of direct interaction, which has been really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I want to turn it over to Chris real quick because Chris, and we'll, we'll Chris, go, go ahead and, and talk about Mitch a little bit because. So, yeah, go, go for it. You go. You go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you've, um, listened to my podcast interview, um, you might've mentioned, or you might remember that I mentioned, um, when I was asked the question, like what was one of my greatest achievements or proudest accomplishments as a WAG coach. And, um, thankfully we're looking at him right now. It's Mitch. Like just the fact oh, man. that like what I got to do to transform my life, uh, helped you transform yours and you are now here sitting with us as a WAG coach and part, and we're now part of this collective team, uh, who gets to help people all over the world 
And as you and I have talked about in many of check-ins through the years, um, the tendrils continue to flow and have this impact um, on so many people's lives because of your and my our interactions together over the years uh, working together. So um, it's awesome to have you here and be able to kind of uh, talk about this journey that um, how you how you got here, you know, and what all the motivation was behind that. So um, it's it's cool just to be here, man. We've come a long way. Uh, who would have known, you know, that this is where you'd be? Who would have known? Yeah, it's, so long uh, ago. It's wild. So w- with that, maybe this we can kind of go into the, the the kind of first question here is like so. Obviously, you know, Josh mentioned that uh, you made a big move from South Africa uh, back to the states, uh, living in Kentucky here, and your life is uh, vastly different. I would imagine uh, in many ways. Um, so maybe bring us through, tell us that story. Like, how'd you end up back here in the United States and, uh, how did you end up as a WAG coach in that process? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's a, that's a, that's a long story, but I'm going to give you the elevator speech. Yep. So, uh, I, I grew up in Houston, um, and I was there for about 18 years, uh, before moving up to, uh, Austin to go to the university of Texas where I studied public relations and then popped back down to Houston for a little bit, decided corporate wasn't for me and, uh, and went on a grand adventure. Um, Josh mentioned earlier that I was in South Africa for a little while. I was actually in South Africa for about 10 years, which is a long while. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was absolutely incredible experience. Like, um, if you ever have the chance to completely, uh, kind of plug yourself into a different culture and a different place and a different way of life. Um, it was one of the most eye-opening experiences I think I'll probably ever go through. And I had an, an amazing time there and I learned a ton and uh, I decided that it was it was time to come back and be a, a bit closer to family, reconnect with old friends. And uh, and that's how I ended up back in Murray. Both sides of my family have been in this this part of South Western Kentucky for about 150 years. Um, so I've got really deep roots here. All my family's here. And uh, plus it snows. It snows here, which I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of all about. Uh yeah, so um, getting back to how I kind of got involved with WAG and you, uh, when I was in SA, I joined CrossFit. And as any CrossFitter does, I went just absolutely balls to the wall for like the first <laughs> six months and got like soaked into the culture and like really drank the Kool-Aid. And when you're in that space, you start kind of wanting to min-max, right? Like you're getting your Excel spreadsheets out and you're like, why isn't my snatch going up? It's because you're eating like garbage, dude. And so, uh, I, I, I remember, and this is, this is hazy because I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like with the pandemic, uh, especially with lockdown, lockdown in South Africa, like we couldn't leave the house for three months. And then past that we had general lockdown for almost a year. So I, I, I don't even know what year it is sometimes when I'm trying to think back. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember pre pre pandemic and how I got involved there. But I think it was a YouTube video or something like that, watching Katrin or Cole or somebody like that. And they're like, Hey, working against gravity. And, uh, I thought maybe that was the missing, the missing piece of the puzzle. So I signed up and, um, met this fine gentleman sitting across from me, which by the way, man, that was a beautiful introduction. And that's like, it's way too early in the day for those kind of feels like kind of choking <laughs> up here. Uh, but that was, that was very nice. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, and then I, I got, uh, at the time I was working, um, in the craft beer industry in, uh, marketing and sales, headed up their social media, some of the digital side, uh, in Cape town. And 
wasn't loving my job. wasn't hating it necessarily. Like it was fine. It was corporate. Um, I had a lot of fun, but I also hit a point where I, I realized I'm, especially as I got further into my wag journey that I like, I'm kind of perpetuating some not so great habits and, uh, and things in other people. And I wanted to do something that kind of gave me more fulfillment in my life. Cause I get a lot of my maybe self-worth self-worth is probably a, a bit of an overstatement, but I get a lot of my daily satisfaction from, from the, the job that I do. Uh, and I wanted that to be moving the needle for people in a positive direction. And that's when I kind of started poking around on, on Chris's um, coaching page. And it's like, all right, like what, like what's this guy do? Like, how did he get into this? And I saw the precision nutrition certification. I was like, well, I don't know, like maybe I could, maybe I could get into that. Like if nothing else, I'll have a better understanding of nutrition. It'll help me with be a better client. And uh, I did that and I absolutely loved it. I was like, well, maybe, maybe I need to make a radical change in my life. <laughs> so, uh, so after that, we chased up a bit of the, the coach cert, the wag coach cert launched probably about eight months after that or so. And I jumped in on the the first, the first time and I basically just kept spamming the powers that be at working against gravity until, until I got some attention and, uh, worked as a sub coach for about a year and a half, worked through the pandemic as a sub coach, which was a godsend because everything in South Africa shut down. Um, I didn't have a job at the time. So that helped float me through an entire period where I literally wouldn't have had a job if it was, wasn't for WAG. And then we shifted into full-time uh, a couple couple years ago, a couple few years ago, like I said, it's it's all a bit of a blur now. But uh, but I've been at it for a while, man. At at my peak, about 140 clients, and I'm shifting into into a, a bit of a bit of the marketing side, kind of going back to my roots there, which has been a nice change um, to do something a bit different and help the company grow. So awesome. that's kind of that's kind of my start to finish in a nutshell. <laughs> so that's awesome. Let me ask, <laughs> so let me cool. ask a, a quick question: um, when you were talking about habits that you were kind of perpetuating are you speaking um kind of like directly to the industry that you were in like yeah yeah specifically yes absolutely yeah. i mean and it's um south africa in general and i and i don't like to generalize but like the drinking culture there is quite big um and a, a lot of that's the detriment of the people who live there uh and the country as a whole and i got to the point where i just didn't really want to be a part of that anymore yeah well good for you man yeah. yeah, it takes a big leap to change and get yourself out of that situation willingly, you know? Sure. Yeah, it was scary, but, you know, here we are. It all works out. Like, I'm I'm a, I'm a firm believer in we, the actions that we take eventually drive us to where we need to be, whether they're easy or tough. So, yeah. So, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, you live in, so you, you live in Kentucky now. Who, um, who lives uh, with you? Who do you live with? You got pets? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we I, I see those cages there. back there. Are those for we, animals? Or... They, they, they are. No, I'm, <laughs> Chris, I'm actually into some really weird stuff, but we can't talk about that on the Yeah, podcast. is that your special room, that's man? Another, yeah, that's my, spe <laughs> my very special room. Uh, I, I, I don't do tours, though, unfortunately. It's, it's mm. just for me. No, I live, yeah. I live with my, I live with my partner here in our, our little, uh, our little three bedroom cottage. And I've got two border collies, which came with me from South Africa. Oh, wow. And that's a whole nother story, which is I like, <laughs> like two out of 10 would never recommend uh, transporting <laughs> pets internationally during a pandemic. Like that was easily the most stressful week of my life, but we got them here. And then, uh, and then I have uh, a, a little Australian shepherd 
who we got about a year ago and she's an absolute ham like border collies and aussies are are very very similar like high drive high fun but um the, the aussies a bit less neurotic so like if you're looking for a working dog and you want like the fun side instead of the i always need a job side aussies are, are where it's at we also have two cats <laughs> We have two cats. So oh, wow. that's if for those that are counting the audience, that's five five animals in my three bedroom house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the last uh, the last cat. Um, interestingly enough, we were like out out on the front having a barbecue, smoking a pork shoulder. We we're sitting out on the lights, and all of a sudden, I just like hear this like rustling in the bushes and, and little little itty bitty mews coming out. It's like what's that sound? And every every single. Um, every single woman that was that was at our little get together immediately like flocks over to the bush and i heard lots of cooing and oh my gosh what are we going to do and so there's this tiny little black cat i mean just small um obviously hadn't been fed in a while didn't look too happy and uh it was it was immediately well can we keep it and the answer was no absolutely <laughs> not we have one cat and three dogs like i don't need another animal but as that goes um, always within about six hours, we were trying to lure it into the house to rescue it. So now we have a, a second cat. Uh, her name is Salem appropriate awesome. because nice. it's happened around Halloween. So, oh, cool. yeah, but she's a, she's a, a little treasure. She's fitting in nicely as, with the crew. Yeah. As far as cats go, like, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, I'm not a big cat guy, Same. but, uh, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Like she is, she is quite sweet. And I think especially cause she was like, living in the forest uh eating grasshoppers before she seems quite grateful so maybe that's tainting her uh uh her view of of us as humans sure so no regrets no regrets cool i'm big time cat guy are you yeah. i thought I, I thought i saw um some some a uh, little something walking around your screen in our call earlier yeah yep she was yeah she was scratching her face on the microphone so no oh, perfect <laughs> yeah. yep just yeah, yeah. mic check, mic check. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how is um how has things been, Mitch, like transitioning into your role uh from what you used to do? Obviously, like it was I remember like working in that industry, going to an office, having a place to go. Um, you know, the pandemic. I remember like working with you, you just being fortunate to be able to get out for a walk near the ocean during lockdown. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Time when it was like, you could even go outside for a walk kind of thing. You know, you're very limited in what you could do, but uh, uh, t tell us how you adapted to the transition of working for someone and then going to work for WAG and working from home and then how you had to structure your day-to-day -day life uh, to make that work for you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so before, before I started working for, um, uh, for the brewery, I was mainly doing freelance and things like that. So, um, I'm not a stranger necessarily to kind of being my own boss, setting my own schedule and things like that. And then when I got into corporate, the 40 hours a week, um, the commuting and all that other stuff to get away from that, to get out of the office, to get out of the car, uh, to make my own schedule and kind of decide when and how I worked was, man, it's such a breath of fresh air that, that again was, was, I mean, outside of getting out of the alcohol industry, that was another big driving factor for me was, um, I, I do not live to work. Uh, when, when I'm, when I'm working, like I'm hundred percent in it, but my day-to-day -day life, I'm not massively money motivated. I'm not career motivated. Um, 
as long as I'm as long as I've got enough to keep the lights on and, and live comfortably. That's kind of what I'm after. And um, and so moving moving away from that corporate space, rat race space, where you're always kind of chasing the next promotion, um, chasing that money, getting back into I just get out of bed, set my alarm, get my coffee, sit down, got my dogs in my lap, music's going. Like I'm I'm in control of every aspect of my life both personal and professional uh, for the most part, which has been fantastic. An important part of that though, was setting a a hard schedule for myself that every morning I get up the exact same time, seven o'clock, let the dogs out, coffee for an hour, um, have a chat, wake up, kind of get into my work mode mindset. And then from eight o'clock forward, I'm in my office. And even though I do game on, on my computer, this office to me is still a workspace outside of work hours. I don't spend much time here. Um, and that's been really important too, is like having a separate, having a separate, okay, this is, this is where you go to do the thing. And when you're out of that space, you need to leave all of that behind and that was an, another kind of driving um, reason to get out of the, the corporate space is like with WAG, I don't have to worry about my phone going off um, at 2 a.m. because, you know, something at the brewery blew up or uh, there's an angry client or now I need to go take a keg down to this, that or the other at, at, at eight, in the, eight in the evening because someone's run out of beer. Um, so that's that's really allowed me to maximize work-life balance and has led to me being immensely happier than I was before. That's, that's great. I mean, the scheduling yourself is so important. Um, setting up something that you can, that is sustainable for you. You know, I know there's, there's certain, certain people that are the total opposite and they, they need the structure from somewhere else or right. from someone else to do it, you know, to, to be productive. And I think that that's something that we, we, we've talked to um, quite a few people. Uh, coaches so far and that's come up a, a few times where, where people that was a major adjustment it was I mean ultimately an, an adjustment in a good way but like right off the bat some people were like really stressed about it you know right trying to figure out what what works I know it took me a while for sure I tried a bunch of different things you know to you know how to make the most out of my work day I, Chris too um, we, we've talked about it before um, but yeah. I mean he went through the same thing. So um, it's cool that you were like, oh, yes. I mean, the freedom is, is very cool. But again, you have to like, like you got to give yourself those guidelines and directions because that freedom, all of a sudden it could be nine o'clock at night and you're like, oh, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, no, it cuts, it cuts problem, both ways. You know? yeah. It cuts both yeah. ways for sure. Now you got to be, you got to be mindful. But I think, uh, I think for the most part, uh, if you, anyone given enough time can make it work is, I think it just takes some adjusting. Yeah. I, I heard, um, do you know who Beeple is? This the artist. I do not know. Okay. This artist, uh, he does all these outrageous digital art drawings and his whole thing was he was going to do a digital art drawing every single day. And so he's been doing it for like 15 years. He's been doing it. Oh my this. gosh. And wow. he just sold, he was like talking NFTs and, crypto and all that stuff uh he was he sold his first five thousand drawings as an nft for like 69 million dollars or something like that 
but it's crazy. That's so much money. (laughs) It's a crazy story. There's a documentary, there's a documentary on YouTube and it's so funny because he has no idea what's happening. Like he's walking around his house and his kids are there and he's like looking at his phone. He's like, Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. What? What? He's just like, yeah, watching it in real time. It's a, it's a cool documentary. But anyways, Mm -hmm. point he had a great saying. He said, he said, um, people don't lack creativity. They, they lack deadlines. Yeah. And I was like, that's brilliant because we all are, can tap into this creative zone or, you know, wh- whatever we consider like our work to be or something that we're really passionate about. We can all tap into that. But far too often, there's no deadline. There's no guideline f- for like the finished product. You know, and so when you set yourself up, you know, for your work day, it's like, like you were just talking about, you do work in that space. And when you leave the work, that mindset kind of stays behind you, you give yourself that separation. Right. It's it's the same thing with like, with like those deadlines, you know, I I think that's a really important um, thing to consider and keep in mind, you know. Yeah, it's like that key to success when working from home is the enrollment of disciplines, so that that creates such a sense of freedom in your life because it's yeah. the discipline of being honed into your work, the discipline of having a hard out, and then a transition back to Mitch time, you know, like this yeah. is my time now. I've left that behind. And uh, that's not easy for a lot of people to do. <clears throat> and uh, I remember coming in and seeing like the luxurious lifestyle that it seemed like that WAG coaches lived. And not to say that's not the case, but at the time we had a couple of coaches living in Mexico, I believe. And, um, you know, they're doing check-ins on the beach. And that was like the catalyst for me going like, what the fuck? I want to do that. You know, I want to be working from the beach and like posting tight stuff like that. So, um, and for me, the mentality I came into this job was like, oh, I put the fun first, like the freedom came first and then the discipline was like an afterthought. And then that ruined me for a couple of years. Like it was a hard time getting myself back into a discipline structure because I was chasing the freedom aspect of the job first. And then the job kind of came second and that wasn't working very well for me at all. Like you said, Josh, like nobody wants to be doing check-ins at 3 a.m. or responding to this or that or whatever, you know, coming out from a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park with a check-in that's going to be overdue in 15 minutes. Like that wasn't a good world for me to live in. (laughs) And I had to to get my stuff together. So um, it took a little bit of time. But in setting out these routines, uh, these rituals that you abide by, for the most part, not every day is going to be like that, you know, but there's some adjustment and wiggle room there. But for the most part, because you have this discipline practice every day, it's so freeing because it's so predictable. And a lot of people kind of scoff at like, oh, I don't want my every day to be the same. But you're like, well, what's the alternative? You know, you're going to wake up, hit the snoo- you know, hit the alarm and scream into your day and then yeah. basically just be chasing after a sense of calm and peace the entire day when really you have the opportunity to start your day with peace and calm. That's why I love that you say you start your day with like a morning of coffee and a chat and you just kind of ease into the day mm-hmm. instead of screaming right into it. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, yeah, even, even, and I love my sleep and I normally get at least eight hours, but like I, I, I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I wouldn't sacrifice that hour. <clears throat> even, even if I end up going to bed a bit late, I know I'm going to be a bit tired the next day. I still wake up at seven because I need that hour of me time to wake up and to get my mind straight, get a little caffeine in, play with the dogs, and then like, and then I'm set. It sets a tone for the entire day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, 
Yeah, you do you first before you. Absolutely. Uh, especially having to have the mental capacity to do what we do. We help other people, you know, and we are problem solvers. We help people figure out and sort out the problems that are going on in their world, which, as we've talked about numerous times on this podcast, has a lot more to do than just nutrition. Um, you know, a lot of our check-ins uh, end up ultimately having sometimes very little to do with nutrition and everything to do about what's going on in this individual's life and how that all impacts their nutrition. Um, so there's a lot of uh, digging deep, reading through the lines, and uh, you can't do that if you're just going into the day uh, in a chaotic fashion. So kudos to you for uh, sorting that out and, uh, you know, starting your day with peace and calm. It's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks. That's yeah. it's the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Along those same lines, what would you say are some of the biggest accomplishments that you have kind of had as a nutrition coach? Um, that's a great question, man. I'd say like top line, if I just, if I think like what's, what's been really rad in the last year. Um, I don't know if you know who Bo Brown is. He's a Olympic weightlifter on the national and international scene. Uh, he used to lift that 96 kgs. Uh, he came to WAG just over a year ago looking to drop a, uh, a weight class from 96 to 89. And he was my first, like, I coached plenty of Olympic weightlifters, but not at that level. I mean, this guy is just, he, he's an animal. Um, and I, I felt quite a bit of pressure there, but it was also a great opportunity for me to kind of push outside my comfort zone and grow in that area. And so helping him, helping him drop a, uh, drop a weight class in a, pretty, pretty tight window and then go on to take the 2021 national championship and then, uh, to, to place third in Pan Ams was definitely, definitely a highlight for me, definitely a highlight for me. And I, I work with a lot of, a lot of, uh, high level athletes that, that really push themselves. And, um, it's always satisfying when they come back and say like, Oh, like the fueling fueling for Saturday was perfect. And like, I, I crushed it. I, I, you know, I knocked 15 minutes off of my marathon time or I placed third in high rocks or, uh, I, I qualified for this next triathlon or whatever. That's, um, that's always a big highlight, but, but on the opposite side of that over the last year, I've also had a lot of just what, what I would consider just very normal every day, not even weekend warriors, just like the people who are just trying to improve, improve their health and nutrition and be comfortable and confident in their own skin like watching their journey from start to finish and watching them have these epiphanies uh, where they're like, man, I would not have handled that situation the same six months ago. Like I would not have been able to, to, to take that comment that my mom made about, you know, what I'm eating or not eating at Thanksgiving and just taking it in stride and, and being able to, to grow past it. And that's been, that's been pretty awesome, man. It's been pretty awesome. So like a lot of, like I said, when I say a lot of my, my satisfaction in life comes from my work, that's exactly the type of thing that I'm talking about when I can log off and feel like, man, I really made a positive difference for, for people that are important to me because my clients are important to me. Um, that's, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I use a lot of, uh, you're, you're, you've got a lot of good analogies, um, in your coaching niche, um, which I've seen just from, yeah, obviously in the realm and, and me being a, um, 
a team lead. So I quality check, you know, people's check-ins and give feedback and things like that. So I've gotten to get in there and see that. So you're a man of many analogies. And so leading into my next question, I'm curious, uh, like what's one piece of advice that you love to give your clients or like, what's, what, what's one of your like most badass analogies that you love to give people that helps things click? Like what, what do you feel can sometimes be the a piece of advice that you can give a client that is the turning point for their journey? Um, that's, uh, I don't have a, a badass analogy off the top of my head, Chris, because yeah, well, you're really, you're really putting over. the, you're <laughs> really, you're really, put, you're really putting the spotlight on me now, but I, I, yeah. I, I, I will, I will say this, um, people mm-hmm. are incredibly hard on themselves mm. in life, in work, in school, their nutrition, their workouts. Um, and they're very quick to focus on what's not going right. Right. So if I asked you, if, if, if I asked the average, the average person, like what, tell me about your day, what are they going to lead off with? Almost always the negative, right? Almost, almost, almost everything. Well, I got, I I was, I was late for work. This guy cut me off and I spilled coffee on myself and I didn't get a break until two o'clock. I completely missed lunch and my boss is breathing down my neck. And then I get home and the house is a wreck and the kids are screaming it, blah, 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 blah. So, so say there's, say there's six things that went wrong in your day at those six things, the things that you focus on, do you know how many hundreds, if not thousands of things went right in your day in order to get you from point A to point B, but we completely ignore those, right? Because it's, there's, there's an expectation that that's how it should be. Um, and I think a lot of people miss opportunities to celebrate small wins as they get them. And, and to be, to be cognizant of the fact that everyone is going through something. Um, and that's, that's, that's something that I've also learned being a nutrition coach and getting to connect with people the way that we do is you, you see how, how people act towards you and, um, how they carry themselves in their day-to-day lives and things look like they're going pretty well for most people, but everyone's going through something. And if you're going through something, it is absolutely it's, it's, it's okay to make mistakes and mess up. And, um, it's important that you're able to forgive yourself for those things and move on and uh, be grateful for the things that are going right. Wow. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like focusing on the negative. It's an interesting thing when we open up a check-in, you know, and I'm sure this has happened to you all where like a client will just start to basically like, well, here's everything that I didn't get to do this week or I didn't get to or the bad. And you're like, that's all well and fine. But like, I'm far more curious about what did happen. Right. Like that, that's, Mm. that's what's putting the movement and the momentum in the right direction. Like granted, you might've had these things working against you or not in your favor, but surely there were some things that did. And, but that's the things I want to, I want to hear about because those are the little tidbits that shine through that tell me what you were able to do despite all these things perceivably going wrong. Right. You know? And therein lies the celebration of the wins. It's like, well, you're telling me X, X, Y, Z happened, but you're still telling me ABC happened. So yeah. it's pretty great to me, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so, yeah. yeah. And I help it help. I think it helps uh, putting that out to clients helps them really focus on the things that actually matter more. Right. You know, so right. And there's more there, leverage. And, and there always is, is a silver lining. Like, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday in that that saying, like the obstacles, the way, right? Yep. Like the 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 thing that's going to make you grow 
and it's going to push you in the right direction is very rarely the easy thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, yep. that's just kind of how life works. So embracing the suck a bit and uh, and pushing past it and using it to grow is paramount. Yeah. It's not the survival of the fittest. It's those most adaptable to change that generally succeed. So it is, is like change is the way. Obstacle is the way. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. With, um, with all that, with that said, what, um, it, like, in the nutrition realm, what's a piece of advice that, like, if someone's just starting out, what's what's generally a piece of advice that you could give to someone that's going to have an impact on their day? Um, that's a good question. I think the the number one thing when you're getting started is to eliminate reactionary food choices. The more you plan out your day ahead of time, the easier life is going to get. So like, Josh, if I told you like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take a road trip or, or, or Chris, I'm going to take a road. Cause I know, I know exactly where you live. I'm going to take a road trip and, and visit Chris. And Chris is like, well, I just live in, I live in Colorado and I just get in my car and start driving to Colorado from Kentucky with no GPS, no nothing. I just get in my car, gas up. And I'm just like, I know it's West. So we're just going to, we're going to cruise that direction. Like how long is it going to take me to get there? It's going to be horrific. Right. But like, if, if I know exactly where I'm going, I plug it in. I got my little gas stops along the way, rest stops, maybe do a little sightseeing. Like it's going to be a good time, but and it, your nutrition's the same way, man. Like if, if you wake up in the morning, it's like, well, hope it goes good. Like you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> yep. You're not going to have a good time. So, so pre pre planning and at, at least the night before, and, and even better if you can if you can do a bit, a bit of meal prep. And this is kind of depends on your um, your tolerance for sameness. Like we eat the same thing three nights in a row. We'll do a big meal prep, and it's like we're having we're having uh, Taco Bell's three nights in a row, and that's just what it's going to be. I plug in those three days. And then if my breakfast is generally pretty much the same, then I don't really have to worry about snacks and sorting out lunch. So it, it makes it, it makes it a heck of a lot easier, especially when you're kind of trying to familiarize yourself with, with the process of tracking, with the process of, of learning how to weigh and measure everything and enter it into the app and, 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 and you can't be doing all that while you're trying to figure out what you're going to eat. It's just, no. you're really stacking the cards against yourself. You can't be doing that while you're trying to drive. You know, you can't, you yeah. can't, especially, I, <laughs> if, especially if you're driving to Colorado without right. any idea, you're just heading West yeah. and now you're trying to plug things in. No. And I'm so glad that that's, that's the analogy I was looking for. Like when I brought up the last question, you had the master yeah. of analogies, your, your roadmap analogy, your, your, it's your nutrition without GPS is one of the analogies that I love to repeat to my clients because it is, it's like, do you want to just wing it? and deal with the chaos that comes with that or the empowerment or the challenge of learning that comes with it sure it's not to say that that doesn't come with it or would you rather have at least a vague idea of how you're going to get from point a to point b uh and maybe yeah. make it more of a straighter line than this you know wavy yeah. wandering don't know where the heck i'm going kind of line you know so uh thank you for yeah pulling that out because that that's kind of what i was seeking cool, man. open well, for and you you nailed it dude i'm, I'm glad I, i'm glad i delivered no that's yeah. a, that's excellent news I, yeah that's what i'm talking about josh see that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah man yeah. that's great yeah um uh let's uh, see 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Yeah. So something I wanted to know. So, I mean, we've, we know a lot about you. Um, I mean, I, I know I personally know a lot about you just working so closely with you mentioned that obviously, you know, we, we keeping communication fairly well outside of work parameters and stuff, but, uh, what's something that most people wouldn't or don't know about you? That's, that's a good question. I, and I have to be honest, you guys did give me a little bit of a, of a sneak peek at, at some of these questions. So I wouldn't be mm-hmm. totally completely off guard. And this mm-hmm. one, I, I sat with this for about 45 minutes to the point where I even asked people that know a lot about me, <laughs> Hey, what's something you don't think you would know about me? Yeah. And I got, a, I got lots of blank stares. Um, but where I landed was that I am a, I'm what I consider, and I, I might, I might coin this term, a serial hobbyist, a serial mm. hobbyist. <laughs> so what I, what I've, what I've noticed about myself is that I get, I get bored quite easily. And I always, I like chasing new things. And when I find something I enjoy, man, but do I just full face into it nonstop for like (laughs) six months. Uh, A good example. He cranks that knob to 11. Dude, it is, it's like, I'm, I'm I'm breaking the knobs at at some, at some point. It's like YouTube videos, forums, like, I'm I like, I'm, I'm talking to experts. Like I want to be the best at whatever I'm getting into, um, which is, it's a good thing. And it's a bad thing. Um, sometimes I think I, I jump a little bit too far down the rabbit hole and I kind of lose sight of why I started and, and what I was hoping to get out of it in the, in the first place, which is enjoyment. I have a bad <laughs> habit of trying to monetize my hobbies as well, but we won't, we won't, we won't, jump, we won't jump into that rabbit hole. Uh, but yeah, but like I, I, um, a good example of that would be, there was a, a kick for about six months where I was building terrariums and I'm not going to ask you about that. I'm, I'm not talking about, like, I'm not talking about like little glass ball terrariums. I'm talking about like, like 60, like 60 gallon full ecosystem. Wow. Like self-contained bioactive and, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, that was a, that was a big thing for a while. Unfortunately, I had to leave them, uh, when I, when I came from South Africa, but I want to get back into that. My latest kick is, is gardening and like sorting out the backyard. Um, we've been in this house for a little over a year and uh and i have in my mind a very specific way that i would like it to look and it doesn't look like that right now and by god it's gonna <laughs> just is gonna take some time <laughs> yeah i remember you sending me those photos of those terrariums and they were just starting to consume the space <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah. No, they were taking up way too much space man but it's, it's so actually, cool though man it's it's so nice to have something alive in uh quite a uh, sterile environment like an office where it's like everything's electronic and like you just kind of like put your head over and and put your head up above the screen like you can smell leaves and it smells like forest floor and there's things moving it's just it's nice it's nice it's like an aquarium but um infinitely better <laughs> it's like an aquarium but better <laughs> um, yes that's awesome without the all the water yeah <laughs> What an interesting thing. How did you get into that? Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Okay. <laughs> like I like I was ser- like I'm pretty sure I was like served an ad on Instagram or something. I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one guy. Um, if you want to look him up, he's on YouTube. It's called Serpa Designs. And what he would do is he'd just make these super chill videos where he's literally just sitting there for 30 minutes, like building terrariums or like doing some pruning where he's like moving plants around and and like arranging things and it's so zen man and i would just sit there and watch be like i can do that why why not me and then here we are six months <laughs> later building 60 gallon terrariums so no half measures 
That's <laughs> fascinating, man. Fascinating. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you if you do get back into it, then yeah, we're we're definitely going to need to see some some picks. That those will take uh, the place of those dog cages in the back. Yes, yeah, definitely. No, those those are, those are those are horrendous. No, the thing about the thing about the crates, you joke, is that um, the what's nice about having a border collie is they're like they're hyper intelligent, right? But with that, you also have like the reasoning of a, a, like an eight year old, so they can get up to terrible things while you're not home. And, uh, and that's just, that's a nice safe space where if I had two hours where I need to leave the house, I'm not going to come home to, uh, someone disassembling my refrigerator. For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that some dogs, it's like a, it's a comfort thing too. Like they feel oh, safe. Oh no. Yeah. Too, no, they sure. go, they go, they go hard chill in there. Like we leave the doors open during the day and, and they'll, they'll just go zonk out for a couple hours. It's, yeah. it's a great way. If we have guests over too, it's a great way for them. If they're feeling overwhelmed, they can be like, well, I can always go to my crate and I'm just going to be left alone. Yeah. Yep. A little safe space for them. Yeah, it's also yeah, a good yeah. um, thing when you first get a dog too for the uh, training discipline aspect of it, of that routine formation with them, you know, like you, this is when you go outside, this is where you eat. I'm going to go disappear for my job for seven, eight hours and I'll see you later. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I had to do the same thing with my dogs and over time and it was actually starting to work from home where I'm like, Oh, I can start to kind of strip this, this function away uh, a little more and build a little more trust with these guys. But yeah, border collies. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be able to handle that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big commitment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little monsters. No, they're yeah. great. There, they're great. Yeah, they're my little trash pandas. <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, we're we're getting ready to sign off here. But uh, uh, let people know if they want to know more about you. Um, let them know where they can get a hold of you. Where where can they find you online? That's that's a great question. One of the um, one of the unfortunate side effects of working in the social media space for six to eight years and having that be your all-consuming life is a uh, burning desire to completely disconnect from all things social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, so uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm I'm not really alive in the social media space. Uh, but it. you can you can get a hold of me through uh, through working against gravity. Um, there you go. I'm always happy always happy to connect if you're interested in, in working with me as a coach. Uh, I think you can still request, even if you haven't been a, a client with me before. So yep. um, I'm always looking to connect with with rad people. So Yeah. And for existing clients, anybody who just wants to reach out and talk to Mitch or just get to know Mitch better, you can reach him in the Mighty Networks, you know, group that we have now. So Yes, 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 uh, absolutely. All yeah, yeah. coaches are available to you there. Just, you know, and I'm sure uh, we'll do, you're going to do a lot more things in that network to help uh, people get to know the coaches. Uh, this podcast is one of those, uh, you know, forefront to helping um, our clients and future clients um, know more about the team behind the brand um, and put some, you know, uh, faces to the names. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're, we're definitely looking forward to more engagement there. Um, you know, you know, I was just thinking, too, it's like I'm thinking when we do release these uh, as my, as my clients listen to them, this is probably going to be the first time I do. It's definitely going to be the first time that any of them hear me speak actually, mm-hmm. which is, which is quite interesting. Uh, quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a really, really cool thing. What we're doing with the podcast, introducing everybody and and just kind of giving a voice to, to the, the, the nameless, nameless face behind the screen that you're, <laughs> you guys are all checking in with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is an interesting thing too. So for those um, 
maybe this will be the final question you can send us off on this, Mitch. But for those watching the video component of this on YouTube who get to see Mitch's glorious face and beard, oh, um, maybe for all those guys out there, maybe tell us what your beard care routine is. Beard care <laughs> routine. To keep it looking so healthy <laughs> and just thick, dude. It's a, it's a very Such strong shine. facial hair. Thank you very much. Uh, first off, I can I can take I can only take so much credit for this beard. Ninety uh, percent of of beard is jeans, and I just got them. I got them good Scottish jeans. I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but like I was one of those kids that like at, at fifteen, if I shaved at seven by like one o'clock, I had a five o'clock shadow. Uh, so like, have good jeans is my first tip. Right. Okay. <laughs> Second tip is uh, is is don't. Don't go nuts with uh, with the shampoo. Like a lot of guys think, like, oh, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta wash my beard with like heavy stripping shampoo, like every day. Like, don't do that, bro. You're gonna end up with a fuzzy, damaged, <laughs> lackluster, non shiny beard, and nobody wants that. No, like definitely hot water every day. Give it a good scrub. Um, but every every other day or every third day, uh, and and get get shampoo that's built for beards. Uh, or, or even like high, like a high quality, like a high quality, um, hair shampoos is fine as well. Like, don't, don't be putting in like that six in one, like you can, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even pull out the full six, but I'm sure there is yeah. a six in one somewhere there. Right. Um, and then also like, uh, after you do, um, after you do get the, the little bit of the shampoo going a little bit of, a little bit of beard oil. And, but like, don't be a, don't be a sucker. Like do not pay exorbitant amounts of money for beard oil. All you need is jojoba oil yeah. with a couple, a couple drops of whatever, um, essential, essential oil you want in there. I I'm, I'm a cedar and sandalwood guy myself. Ooh. Um, if you know, it's like a little bit of rustic, a little, yeah. little bit of saddle leather in there occasionally okay. if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, don't, don't pay $20 for something that costs you like five bucks at the drugstore. Uh, yeah. Oh, and a, a boar bristle brush is always mm. good for keeping things right. tidy. That's your top tip. There we there go. go. Take it to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's well, up, dude. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs> well, Mitch, man, you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, man. It's oh, thanks for having me. Oh, we're yeah. blessed. So much Anytime. time, man. Anytime. <laughs>